Good morning. Welcome to worship at Flat Springs Baptist Church. It's so good to see all of y'all here this morning. Uh, if you're a first-time visitor with us, we want to say a special welcome to you. We're glad you're here. Uh, we do have some visitors cards in the pew. If you'll just take one and fill it out, you'll drop it in the offering plate as it comes by. Um, we'd be grateful for you to do that for us. Uh, just a few announcements to share this morning. Uh, we still are collecting cake mixes and large cans of vegetables for our Kentucky mission trip. Um, they will be collecting them through this Wednesday. Uh, so if you would like to donate any of those items, you can put them in the little kitchen. There's a table full of stuff, so um, just go ahead and drop it off in there. Uh, there is a sign-up sheet for the blood drive, which will be on Friday, July 12th in the atrium. So if you'd like to participate in that, you can sign up in the atrium. Uh, nominating committee has been handing out uh, their forms for you to check off uh, what it is that you would like to participate with in the coming year. Uh, so if you have gotten that letter, please get that back to them as soon as possible. There's a basket in the atrium for you to drop that off in there. And then if you are new to our church, if you're a new church member uh, and you did not get one of those letters, uh, we'd like for you still to participate. So if you will, I think, are they in the atrium? No, they're right up here. So on the sides up here, there's a form and it tells you all about the different committees we have here at Flat Springs what they do. Uh, if you would like to participate on one of those committees, if it is available, then you can um, sign up on that form and they'll try to get you plugged in where they can, okay? Also, um, ladies interested in the fall casual retreat, which will be September the 13th through the 15th, uh, please make sure Stephanie has your name and Kathy, Kathy has your check. Um, it's $170 for that trip. And the deadline is next Sunday. So it's not too late to sign up, but um, go ahead and get your information in if you would like to participate in that trip. A few prayer concerns to share as well. Uh, we want to continue praying for the family of Grace McDuffie, uh, who passed away. Uh, just please keep praying for that family. And then uh, Joe Schaub is home, but we want to continue praying for him as well. And then our mission teams that are going out, uh, as you can see, up here this morning. This is our casual team. They are leaving right after they eat lunch. So we're going to hit the road and, and get to casual this evening um, and we'll be there till next Saturday. And then our Kentucky mission team is leaving Saturday. Yeah. And so they will be gone as well. So we just want to be praying for traveling mercies and for all the people that we'll come in contact with as, as we serve the Lord in the coming weeks. Would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to come into your house to worship you this morning, Lord. God, we just want to lift up all the people that we mentioned that are on our prayer concerns list. God, we know that you know each need and that you're trying to meet those needs however you can, Lord. God, I pray that you be with us now and that you just help us to focus on worshiping you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Take your hymnals and continue in worship by singing hymn number 333. Let's stand as we sing, please.
Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us this beautiful day to come and hear your word and to worship you. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and we thank you for the arms that we can lean on. Father, we ask that you be with those that are sick, that need your healing hand, be with the caregivers, be with the people that have given us the independence to come and worship you. Father, we ask that you bless these tithes, these offerings, so that you might further your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. in your hymnals to 323 come you sinners do the first and the fourth one please
Well, good morning. How are you guys? Good. Good. Y'all never sound good. Just saying. Okay. Um, if you were sick, what would your parents do to help you? What do you think they would do? They'd get you medicine. Okay. Reese? They'd let you sleep. Yes, that's important. What else would they do if you were if you were really sick? What would what would they do? Oh, they'd let you sleep in their bed. Yeah. What about take you to the doctor? That's what Kat said. They'd take you to the doctor so maybe you get some medicine and feel all better. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, the doctor too. Yeah. Okay. Have you guys ever seen the movie uh, Finding Nemo? Yes. I saw that one too. Yeah. Okay. So in Finding Nemo, Nemo goes missing, right? He doesn't listen to his dad, and he goes off, he wanders off, and then pretty soon he doesn't know where he is, right? Now, what does his dad do? What does Marilyn do? Does he just like, oh, well, Nemo's gone, so. He tries to find him, and he searches the entire ocean for his son, doesn't he? Yeah? He doesn't give up no matter what. And he meets all kinds of people and animals along the way, right? Some of them are kind of scary, aren't they? Yeah, but he goes and he looks for his son because he loves him. And he wants to bring him back home safely, right? Well, Pastor Gary is going to be sharing a story this morning about a man named Jairus. And his daughter was very, very sick to the point that she was about to die. Well... He wanted to get her some help because he didn't, he didn't want her to die. So he went. He had heard that Jesus was around and that he was healing people. So he went to find Jesus. And he wanted to bring him back so that he could help his daughter. Well, he goes and finds Jesus, and he's, he's trying to bring him back to his house to help his daughter. And by the time he gets back to his house, they tell him that his daughter is dead. But Jesus comes in and he says, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. Go ahead and get up. And he heals her. And so this morning, Pastor Gary is going to be sharing that story. But what he wants us to remember or to, to really tune into is the fact that this father did not give up on his daughter. He wanted to help her. And he knew that Jesus could do that. And so he tried all that he could to go and get Jesus to help her. And eventually he did. Jesus came and helped her. Just kind of like what Marilyn did in the movie when he went to find Nemo and he went all over the entire ocean trying to find him, right? Well, God loves you guys too. And he's like a dad to us. And he can do anything to help us. That he, That's what he wants to do. He wants to help us and he wants to heal us. And so anytime... We've talked about this before, right? Anytime we're scared, we can talk to God and he can help us to not feel afraid, right? Or when we're sick or we know someone that's sick. So like when we're up here in the mornings and we say our prayer concerns or our prayer requests, we pray for people because God heals people and he makes them better, right? And so that's the story Pastor Gary is going to share with us this morning. But I want you to remember that God is always looking out for you guys and he's always there to help you guys just like your parents are always there to help you and protect you and take care of you, okay? Can we remember that this week? Oh, let's pray. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these children. God, I thank you that you have entrusted us with their care. God, I just pray that we would be the best parents and grandparents and church members that we can be to them, God, so that we can show them your love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Good morning. Uh, if you follow song titles, you'll realize that I changed songs. I think the Lord had something different to say. We 
pray for blessings. We pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering and all the while you hear each spoken need yet love us way too much to give us lesser things because what if your blessings come through raindrops what if your healing comes through tears what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near what if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise we pray storms the hardest nights are your mercies in disguise I'll be reading from Isaiah chapter 26, verses 2 through 5. Open the gates and let the righteous nation come in, the nation that remains faithful. With perfect peace, you will protect those whose minds cannot be changed because they trust you. Trust the Lord always because the Lord, the Lord alone, is an everlasting rock. 
He has brought down those who live high in the towering city. He levels it. He levels it to the ground and throws it into the dust. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we have gathered in this place to worship you, to praise you, to give thanks to you for all your blessings. And the devil would cause us to focus on what's wrong and what's not okay, and so we just want to kick the devil out. And just ask, oh God, that you might enter into our hearts and into our thinking. It is excited to see a mission team gathered here to my right on these first four rows. I pray for them. I pray that as we leave this place that we would recognize that when we walk outside the doors of this church, outside your sanctuary, we are entering the mission field. There will be opportunities this week in Sanford, in Apex, wherever life may take us to be your missionaries. I thank you for giving us an opportunity as a church just a very few days ago to envision that you have blessed us with gifts that we might serve one another as good stewards of your varied grace. And we would continue to be that good steward all of our life. And Lord, we pray that you might help us to understand today, even when we face the difficult times in life, that you do have blessings in disguise. And sometimes, Lord, we may never understand. But Lord, our faith is not placed in our understanding. Our faith is in you, our Lord and our God. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, choir. Thank you, Luann. I'm really ready to jump in. And I'm just trying to wonder where I want to jump. So give me just a second. And I'm going to jump there in a minute. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. I want to give you three stories before we read scripture today. When Becky was 18 months old, we took her to the doctor because she was becoming sick over and over, and they determined that she had, through x-rays, what's called kidney reflux. Okay, now I'm not a doctor. Well, I am a doctor, but I'm not that kind of doctor, okay? I'm not a physician. And they told me that the ureter, is that it? Between the bladder and the kidneys was not long enough in her development. And that what would happen is when she tried to urinate, it would back up into her kidney and it would infect it. And she would get sick and it could damage her kidneys. And we needed to do surgery to fix it. Well, that's not good. We didn't want to have surgery on our 18-month-old baby. And so, I told my church family, East Irwin Baptist Church, and we began to pray for my daughter. That's what we do, amen? We pray. We pray. And so we prayed for Becky. We didn't have a special service. I didn't do what James, that's where I wanted to jump in, but he says, is any among you suffering? Let him pray. And then he says, let the elders of the church, let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the one that's sick. They told us that we needed to go to uh, Highsmith Rainey in Fayetteville. We were living in Irwin. And that they were going to do some ultrasounds to determine the level of reflux. And I know the story's going long, but bear with me. Because there's one to five. And they were telling us that the x-rays were showing that she was a five, which meant actually she was actually expanding the walls of the kidney. And it was just bad. But they needed to determine exactly what it was so that Dr. Seddon could fix it with surgery. So I remember taking her and they did the test and we came back and we had an appointment like two or three days later to see the doctor and we walked in and he said, they messed the test up. He said, really? Yep, you gotta go do it again. So he made us another appointment. We went back, we did the test again. We came back to the doctor's office and he walked in and he said, I don't know what happened. He said, I have seen a five go to a three. I, I've seen a four go to a three or to a two, but I've never seen a five go to zero. Your child has no reflux. That's what we said. Amen. Let me give you another story earlier than that. My first pastorate, I was being installed as the pastor at Pleasant Hill Christian Church. First pastor ever. You talk about green. My goodness, I was almost blue. I was so green, okay? We walked in, and my dad, rarely did my dad get to hear me. My dad was a pastor, uh, and his health was not good. But on this Sunday, Daddy had, take, had taken a Sunday off, and he was going to be with us in worship to hear my first sermon. That Sunday, I'd be installed for the first time in my life at around age 20-something, as the pastor at Pleasant Hill Christian Church. Actually, this November, that'll be 40 years ago. Y'all do math, I don't do math. When we got there that morning, they said to the new pastor, just showing up, having moved that Saturday before, there's a young boy in our church. His name is Brad Calco. He has 
a disorder. They've diagnosed him. He's in the hospital right now. He's seven years old. His disorder is called Guillain-Barre syndrome. They're going to be transferring him tomorrow to Duke Hospital because they may have to use the iron lung to keep him alive until his body can fight off this syndrome and him recuperate. And we'd like to invite the church to come to the altar at the end of the service and we want to pray for Brad. And you being our new pastor, we want you to lead us in the prayer. So we went through that service and in the closing hymn, and I can say the only time in my life the Holy Spirit impressed upon me a thought I've never thought before. I can't explain it. I won't even try. But we knelt, the church knelt to pray, and as we were praying in that final prayer, the Holy Spirit just impressed upon me. And I stood up after that prayer, and I said, God's going to heal Brad Calcoat. And my daddy about died, I'm just telling you. My daddy said, we Baptists, we don't do that. That ain't how we roll. I never had that feeling before. I said, Dad, I, I know. I know. I've been, I know. But that's what I had to say. I got in my car the next morning. I followed the ambulance from Wake Med to Duke Hospital. When we got home, I got a phone call. And it was Darusha, uh, his mom. And she said, they don't know what's happened. But Brad's coming home this afternoon. I've got one more story before we read scripture. When Becky turned 14, and this one's going to be hard for me to tell, she became numb on one side right around Mother's Day. We were at the Mayflower in Winston-Salem, which is a seafood restaurant, and she picked up her tea and she dropped it because she couldn't feel it in her hand. We took her to the emergency room and they told us, whoo, I didn't know this was going to be this hard. They told us that she had a tumor on the left side of her brain. And that was causing the right side of her body not to feel. And we prayed. Because they ultimately said surgery. We went to three pediatric neurosurgeons before we decided to do the surgery. Thought about going to a fourth. And the healing, I remember even praying, Lord, you've healed her, her kidneys. Please heal her brain. We don't need brain surgery. We don't want brain surgery. Longest day of my life, eight hours, while my daughter endured brain surgery. It's in light of those three stories that I want us to read our scripture today. If you would, if you're able, you're in Luke chapter 8. Would you stand as a way of honoring the reading of God's word? We're going to read Luke 8, 40 through 42, and then 49 through 56. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. He had been out of the community. He had come back into the area. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler, an official, if you will, in the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had, only an, he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And Jesus went, and the people pressed around him. 
Now I'm going to jump down to verse 49. The story in between is another miracle uh, of a woman with an issue of blood. But we're going to drop down to verse 49. And while he was speaking, someone from the ruler's house, from Jairus' house, came and said, Your daughter's dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. What a powerful word. Verse 51. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. And those outside, they were all weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she's not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And the spirit returned. And she got up at once. And he, Jesus, directed that they give her something to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. Pray with me. Lord, would you help us, because everyone here has faced a physical crisis. And Lord, we've all got different responses in those physical crises. Give us a solid truth that might sustain us through living in a fallen world where disasters are a reality. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This is one of those miracles that Jesus is on his way to do a miracle, and he has to pause long enough to do another miracle. And I think about life. Now, when we pray for the sick, we do exactly what we're told to do, in James, that that's good counsel. I feel we should pray for those that are sick. But we know, don't we, that we don't always get well. We don't always get well. We don't always have bad diseases taken away from us. We don't always have the difficult things. And so some might ask, so why pray? Why pray? Why Trouble the master. Did you see that? Don't trouble the master. Jairus was in a major family crisis. When you read in Matthew, you'll find that Matthew starts off, she's dead. Some believe that maybe she had died, but he just wasn't going to believe it, and he knew Jesus was around. And so he went and, in the telling of Luke, the physician, we had this imploring for Jesus to come to the physical needs. Come to our challenges. Come to the challenges of work, to the challenges of living in a community, to the challenges of living in an earthly body that has a beginning and has an ending. And so I want to suggest to you today that even though we don't always get the outcomes, I mentioned Brad Calcote with Guillain-Barre syndrome. You may not know, but last October, we buried my son-in-law who died with Guillain-Barre syndrome. It makes no sense sometimes when we think of it on our earthly journey. The truth is, I think what Jairus gives us is a moment to recognize a formula, a pattern, a way of going forth that will give us peace in the midst of the crisis, in the midst of the challenge, in the midst of living in bodies 
made of clay. If you were here on Monday night of the 410 project when David Haley brought the message, he went to that passage in Corinthians and he told us that we contain this treasure in earthen vessels. These bodies made of clay that have a beginning and have an ending. And we don't have to like that. <laughs> I don't. But it doesn't change that reality. And yet in the midst of that, we're called on to pray. Just like Jairus went. And it makes better sense to me that he knew his daughter was going to die. That maybe he left the room not wanting to admit she was dead. But I want to give us very quickly three truths that we can find in the midst of a physical and a family physical crisis. The first thing you do is you go find Jesus. That's what he went to do. It tells us in our text that he had just gotten back into town. And a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of synagogue, came and found him and fell at his feet. In a family crisis, we need to find something that is stable, something that won't move. I love the story that Mary Brumbaugh, who was the wife of an airline pilot, said, he had, the, the pilots seemed to have difficulty finding things around their house. And so on one day, he said, honey, where's the salt? And she responded, how on earth can you find Detroit at night in a blizzard and you can't find the salt in your own kitchen? To which he gently replied, well, darling, you see, they don't move Detroit. <laughs> Things move, don't they? Things move in this life. Things move. Today we're here and it's one way. But tomorrow, it might not be like that. You need something stable. God is stable. This world is not stable. Listen, the body in which you now live is not stable. Jesus knew that he needed the life-changing power of God. I don't think it is wasted on us that Jairus was a ruler, an official, a leader in the synagogue. In a town outside Jerusalem, you had to have 12 Jewish men to be able to establish a synagogue. And then that would be a place of, of worship until you could make the pilgrimages to Jerusalem. And it was a, a big deal. It was their local church, if you will. And he was a, a pastor, maybe a deacon, an elder in, that, in our way of thinking. Jairus needed the life-changing power of God. That's what we need. You see, our challenge is we may not receive the instantaneous change that Jairus experienced in this story in the resurrection of his daughter, but each of us can receive the stable presence of God to help us face the challenges and the crisis in life. Listen, I faced many challenges in my family. My, my dad, who was one of the most godly men I ever knew, dealt with congestive heart failure and heart issues all my life. My wife was diagnosed in 1999 with multiple sclerosis, MS we call it. And I mentioned that my 14-year-old had to endure brain surgery, which changed her world. Sometimes the chronic things don't go away. But God is stable. God is steadfast, unmovable. God is where we find our strength. So you, you see, here's what I've discovered. Although I told you about the miracle of Brad Calco, I can't explain that. I wished every time I bowed my head and prayed, that's how God worked. But that's not been my experience in almost 63 years of living. 
but here's what I do know. This is what I have experienced. God may not change the circumstance, but God will change us to face the circumstances if we're faithful to him. And that's really what it's all about. If our faith is true at all, it's about us giving ourselves to him. When we say we love the Lord with all our heart, mind, and soul, what does that mean? We're saying, God, take, we sing that hymn. Lord, you're the potter and I'm the clay. Make me and mold me after your will. <clears throat> is that really our desire? For that's what I have discovered is that God can change us. He found Jesus. Do we find Jesus? Are we really looking for Jesus? There's a great story from ancient church history about uh, a, a, an Italian pastor, Savarola. He was one of the great preachers of the 15th century, and he preached in a great cathedral in Florence, Italy, which contained many magnificent statues. And in this time, when our, our Catholic friends still prayed to Mary, by the way, we don't do that, and I'm not advising you to do that, but in this story, he noticed one woman who came and knelt at that statue, the statue of Mary in that great temple every day. She came and bowed before it. And one day, uh, Savarola was, was talking to another priest, and he said, look at her faith. Isn't, she, isn't that amazing how faithful she is? Every day, rain or shine, she comes. And she, she bows and prays at that statue. To which the priest replied this word. Don't be deceived by what you see. Many years ago, the sculptor, the sculptor, sculptor the one who made it. I'm not saying that well. Sculptor. Sculptor. The sculptor, thank you. Needed a model to pose for the statue of Mary and he hired a beautiful woman to sit for that exercise this devout worshiper you see every day is that young woman she is worshiping who she used to be she's worshiping who she used to be I just thought that was a powerful word so I'm going to ask us this pretty pointed question this morning what have we come to do today have we come to find our strength in our own understanding in our own way of understanding life and living and doing what we do have we come for God to put a stamp of approval upon how we're going to face this week because I think Jairus was totally different I think he came with a desire to find Jesus. And he found him. He came with a desire to encounter the power of Jesus. And if we've come to do that today, I, I, I can't explain everyone's crisis in your family. I know we all got them in different levels and different degrees. And I want to tell you that the answer is to find Jesus. And even coming to church to make sure we're looking for him. The second truth is Jairus fell at Jesus' feet. Worship Christ when you find him. Worship Christ when you find him. I think that's the dialogue that Christ understands more. I think prayer should always begin with worship. We were looking in the studies, and, and I've seen it before. Maybe you've seen that acronym. I can't talk today. For prayer, A-C-T-S, Acts. And it starts with what? A, adoration. That's praise. That's worship. Do your prayers start with praise? Do we, do we praise God all the time? He fell at his feet. When's the last time? When's the last time we fell at Jesus' feet? In a family crisis, worship is a key ingredient to changing the crisis whether that means changing the circumstances or changing us to meet those circumstances. Fall at Jesus' feet. Fall before him and worship him and praise him. I've shared this story before, but hear it one more time. In our church, a mother 
This was a church when I was just a child. I, I'd been going on this mission trip. That's how old I was. And there was a, a, an adult mom and an adult mother that were members of our church, and they got crossed. I don't know why, but it was an ugly crossing. You know what I mean? They were angry at each other, and, and they didn't speak for like a year. And we lived in, I mean, you saw everybody in Lewiston twice a day. That's how small our town was. You know what I'm saying? And they didn't speak for a year. And in fact, folks would notice it. If they were both about to come into the same door, one of them would turn and go the other way. We had lay renewal in our church, lay revival. Dr. Smith, he was a physician. I remember he was a speaker. And he gave the invitation. And we'd already gone three verses, okay? And not a soul had moved. It had been a great weekend. And, and, and Dr. Smith paused the invitation, and he, he made a very, I, I was your age, okay? I don't even know what he said. Let me just go ahead and tell you the whole truth. He said something. But what I noticed was, you see, mom sat on this side, and daughter sat on this side. And I was in the choir. That's really scary, amen? Okay, we, we were desperate, okay, just, just so you know. And I was in the choir, and, and I saw Mom get out and start to walk down the outside. At the exact same moment, I saw Dale step out and start to walk down that side. You know the first thought I had? Oh, no, this ain't going to be good. And they, it, it was Holy Spirit timed, okay? Because they got to the end of the two pews. I mean, I'm watching this now because I'm thinking the roof might be leaving here in just a second. And they made their way and they saw each other. And they never broke their stride. And they met each other right down here. And they embraced each other with tears. And that's the only time in my entire life I've seen an entire congregation come to the altar without being guilted into coming. The spirit broke in that place. And we all made our way to the altar because God had intervened in a family physical crisis. Fall at the feet of Jesus and worship. The Spirit moved mom and, and the Spirit moved daughter. And they made their way. And God brought healing. And finally, Jairus followed what Jesus told him to do. If you read the story, they were trying to derail him all the way. He didn't know what the reaction was. And then Jesus had to stop for another miracle. And, and you know that Jairus was, was feeling, he knew how sick his daughter was. Or, or, or maybe he, he thought she had already died and he thought maybe he can resuscitate her if we get there quick enough. And he's got to pause and, and deal with this woman about this issue of blood. Can't he do that later? But I'm going to do what he told me to do. And then they came and met him and they said, it's too late. Don't bother the teacher anymore. But Jairus looked at Jesus and Jesus said, it's going to be okay. And he followed him. And when they got to the house and they were outside weeping, the mourning had already begun. The people were mourning this baby that was dead. And they laughed at Jesus for saying she was asleep. And he said, let's go on in the room. And you know what Jairus did? He went in the room. He followed Jesus. Are we following what we know God wants us to do? Are we doing what God is calling us to do? In spite of everything, Jairus followed Jesus. Can we say this week, in spite of everything that might happen, that is going to happen, we're going to follow Jesus. If we can, then God will make a way in our crisis and bring us hope and bring us healing this morning what's our need 
plus your family crisis. I want to invite you to find Jesus in that crisis. I want to invite you to fall at his feet and praise his name regardless of what is happening or what's going to happen. And I want you to follow him completely and forever and for always. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're about to open your altar. And you just, if we could see it in our mind's eye, you've just walked into the room. And you're going to be standing right here by this communion table. I wonder if anyone would come this morning and find you. And fall at your feet. And commit themselves, Lord. To follow you, regardless of what might happen. That's our call. That's our challenge. Lord, there are folks here today that have severe challenges. My prayer is, Lord, that you would either change those circumstances or change those folks to meet those circumstances. And I offer this prayer in faith in the strong and the holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our hymn of decision is page number 329, Grace that is greater than all our sins. This morning, if God is inviting you to come and make a decision about finding him in your life again, refinding him for some of us, of falling at his feet and worship and praising him and giving ourselves over to a life that way and promising to follow him from this moment forward, then our invitation is open to you as we stand together. Would you be seated and would the mission team figure out how to get up here? How about that? Come on up. We've got 30 that are going shortly. Is this all of them? This is a lot of them. Yeah, 
we're going to invite him in just a sec. Barbara here. Will y'all come? We, I, I know that David and Maureen have, have run to the beach. They're going to be going to. I'd ask the Kentucky team to come. And uh, y'all just stand right here. Just stand right here beside me. That's perfect. Uh, and while we're here, we've got Dalton back, who's serving at TVR. And Dylan is headed to Ethiopia if he gets a visa. And we're praying about that. Uh, for about six weeks of mission work there. In Acts, when Paul and uh, Barnabas felt God's call and the church felt God's call for them to go as the first missionaries, it says that the elders of the church gathered them together and fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them and sent them out. Well, I'd just be wore out if I had to lay my hands on all these folks up here. So we're just going to do it uh, in our spiritual sense that we are so grateful that God has called them to go. I love what our youth are headed and the adults going with them. It's called deep impact. And that needs to be our prayer this week, that God will have a deep impact upon every missionary that you see standing here that will be leaving today, be leaving next Saturday, and will be leaving in a few weeks that God will take the effort and energy that they give forth in his name and use it as a blessing. So as a symbolic way of us standing with you, I want to invite the congregation to stand. And if you're a guest, we invite you to stand with us as well. And now as your church stands with you, missionaries, may I pray. Heavenly Father, it is a privilege to have received, and it is a privilege to give. And these that have received much are now giving a week of their lives to go and bless you this week at Caswell and in the communities around there. And we have four that are going and carrying the stuff that we have brought to Whitley City, to Crossroad, to Grant and Gina and the ministry you're doing there. And we pray for that ministry. And Lord, we, as we think of Ethiopia, we think of Jonathan and Jess and, and their family, and we pray for that ministry. And God, we are missionary Baptists. That's our DNA, is to go, go forth. But Lord, if we go forth in our own strength, it is of no avail. But even now, Lord, I pray that each one here would find you in a new way this week and in the weeks of those other trips, that they would experience you and find a new way to fall down at your feet, O oh God, and that they would follow you even more closely by what you will do in their lives and in the lives of those that they shall minister unto. Lord, would you just take it all? As we as Flat Springs recognize our job is to give of our resources, of our time, of our energy, of our very lives to carry the gospel to the uttermost parts of this world. Lord, would you receive this gift as we dedicate these to you. Would you bless them and use them. Cause your face to shine upon them and grant them your peace and your power and your presence. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all can just stay right there. Just let me get down. <laughs> Somehow. There we go. That worked. Thank you for being in worship with us today. I pray that God is speaking to us. And now as we leave this place, may we do so in his peace and in his power and in his abiding presence that we might be his people in the midst of all his people. Pray with me again. God, we go now to our mission field. For some, it's several hours away. For some of us, it's right across the street. But as we go, Lord, may we go in your power. May we go as the people that have received much and we'll give it all to everyone who will receive it. Guide us and direct us that we might be your people. In Jesus' holy name, amen.